the Second World War, a podcast by Stephen Bedard. We have been focusing for the past several episodes on the activity of Italy with a little bit of Germany. But what about Japan? Yes, technically Japan is not actually a part of the Second World War yet, and won't be for another year from where we are in the narrative. Japan is only at war with China, and has yet not declared war on the United States or Britain. Still, it's good for us to get caught up with where they are at. We saw them back in episode 10 at the dawn of the Second World War. How have they been doing since then? To be honest, they were not doing near as well as they had hoped. Considering the fact that Japan had a better trained and better equipped army, an effective air force and navy, the Chinese were divided between the nationalists and the communists, and major Chinese centers having already fallen, you might think that China was finished, but they weren't. An example was the Battle of Susan Zhaoyang from April 20th to May 24th, 1939. Having captured Wuhan, the Japanese sent 113,000 troops split in two columns to capture Suzu and Zhaoyang. The Japanese broke through the Chinese defenses and by the middle of May had captured Zhaoyang and some additional territory. However, Chinese forces were successful in preventing the two Japanese columns from linking up. To make matters worse, additional Chinese forces arrived, inflicting heavy casualties on the Japanese and forcing them to retreat. By May 20th, the Japanese had lost all of the territory they had gained in this battle. Then we have the First Battle of Shangsha, which took place September 17th to October 6, 1939. This is significant because we are now officially after the start of the Second World War. The Japanese advance aggressively toward Shangsha, pushing through Chinese defenses. Some Japanese troops even reached the outskirts of the city. But as the Chinese seemingly retreated before the Japanese, they also maneuvered their troops to flank the Japanese and to inflict heavy casualties. Not only did they push the Japanese back and retake lost territory, Shangsha became the first Chinese city to successfully repel a Japanese attack. The Battle of South Guangxi took place from November 15th to November 30th, 1939. The Japanese landed at Guangxi, a region of China, and captured the capital at Nanning. One of the results of this was cutting Chongqing off of foreign aid by ocean. From thenceforth, they would only be able to receive supplies by way of Indochina, the Burma Road, and the Hump. While that was a severe blow to the Chinese, the Japanese wanted to limit their options even more. The Battle of Kunlan Pass took place December 18, 1939 to January 11, 1940. The Kunlan Pass was a valuable position in the Guangxi province. The Japanese wanted to cut off the Chinese from being supplied through French Indochina, what we call Vietnam today. The Japanese took Kunlan with 5th Division, some of their best troops, and they were in position to attack Chongqing, which was the wartime capital of China. This could have been a disaster for China. The Chinese responded by sending the 5th Corps, which was some of their best troops in terms of experience and equipment. The Chinese were very successful 
inflicting huge casualties, including the Japanese commander. This was a major victory for the Chinese. While they had still lost their ocean access, the high number of Japanese casualties revealed that China was not a beaten foe. The Japanese had a bit more luck with the Battle of Zhaoyang Yicheng, which took place May 1st to June 18, 1940, although they still failed in their goal. The Japanese attempted to end the Chinese resistance by making a move towards Chongqing. This began with a move towards Zhaoyang. The Chinese had a, a well-planned strategy to defend Zhaoyang, but were overwhelmed by superior firepower from Japanese artillery, navy, and air force. The Japanese were also able to occupy Yingcheng, which was seen as a strategic position. This was a terrible loss for the Chinese. However, the Japanese were not able to take the success further. While numbers of troops and strength of firepower is important, you can only go as far as supply lines allow. It was technically a Japanese victory, but they failed in their ultimate goal. This episode will continue after the break. I was recently introduced to Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's even cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. French Indochina was brought up a few minutes ago. This brings us to an interesting situation for the Japanese, and that is the status of French Indochina. The complication is that of which side France was on. France, of course, was an ally of Britain and was at war with Germany, which was an ally of Japan. But as we saw back in episode 20, France fell to Germany. Part of France was occupied by Germany and the other part was the semi-independent Vichy France, now considered to be an unwilling or willing ally, depending on who you ask, of Germany. The Japanese saw in the fall of France an opportunity to have more of a presence in French Indochina. It began with demands of increasing size. First, it was the stopping of supplies going to China and 
the presence of Japanese inspection teams, and eventually naval rights. Vichy France appealed to the Germans, but they refused to intervene. It may be true that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but that doesn't mean that the friend of my friend is my friend. The French tried to take a strong political stand in the face of increasing demands, but they were well aware that they did not have the military force to repel an invasion. Eventually, it came down to the issuing of an ultimatum for a certain amount of Japanese troops to enter Indochina. An agreement was made between the French and Japanese that it would allow 6,000 troops. This took place on September 22nd. It ended up that none of these negotiations mattered. The Japanese simply invaded Indochina. There was fighting between the Vichy French, who were technically German allies, and the Japanese. The French really stood no chance. However, this was not like other invasions. Through ongoing negotiations, the Japanese eventually withdrew from the occupied towns. However, they did get what they wanted, which was the use of Indochina to attack China. Vichy agreed to allow, and I use quotation marks there, 40,000 troops in Indochina. The Japanese could not fully take advantage of this for a while, however. Eventually, in July of 1941, the Japanese would invade southern Indochina again with 140,000 troops as a part of their plans for the Dutch East Indies. What I really want to get across in this episode is that Japan was very busy in the East while Germany and Italy were doing their things in the West. Japan wasn't officially in the Second World War yet, but they were at war with China, and it was not going as they had hoped. After the initial set of Japanese victories, the Chinese government retreated into the interior. As they did that, it lengthened the Japanese supply lines. In some ways, this paralleled the troubles that Germany would have as it invaded the similarly huge Soviet Union. The main difference is that China didn't have the industry in the interior that the Soviets had by which they could eventually push the Japanese out. But the Chinese fought, and they fought well. The Japanese propaganda might have been that China was on the ropes, but China still had a lot of fight left. Japan was never able to pacify China, even after they began their expansion elsewhere in the Pacific. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar. Also, consider supporting me on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $1 a month, less than a cup of coffee, will help keep this podcast going. Please find me on Twitter and on Facebook. Thank you, and God bless.